Dear God, I just thank you for today and each person here. Lord, we do thank you for holidays that remind us of courage in our history, that remind us of the sacrifices that have been made so that we can have the freedoms that we do. Lord, I pray that we will be people who will sacrifice for freedom, that we will think about future generations. And Lord, I just pray for our nation. I pray that there would be a wave of repentance and revival. Um, Lord, I do thank you for the incredible reversal of Roe versus Wade. We are uh, sorry for the 60 to 63 million um, babies that were murdered under that uh, evil decision. I just pray for the states across the United States that there will be laws that protect innocent human life. I pray for Alaska. It's going to be an uphill battle here. I pray that our people will be in that fight and work to save lives and come alongside women who are in desperate situations. So we do pray for our nation. We pray for our church and our community and ask your blessing on it and leading as we go forward. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, Weaver kids, come on up and share the scriptures today. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is a be, blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Matthew five fourteen. You are white thou. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That was wonderful. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Hopefully. Well, thank you guys for reading those scriptures. And uh, I just want to start off with a question. What does it mean to be a Christian? It's a great question for today. I asked this question on Google, and I got this definition from Christianity.org. It says, a Christian is someone who believes in Jesus Christ and follows his teachings. It's a great definition, a wonderful definition for today. But what what does it mean to be a true nature? What's the true nature of a Christian? We know who they follow. We know who they put their identity in. We know who we believe in. But what are the true characteristics of a Christian? And 
inside that filament is what creates life. And so when I ask the question, what is a Christian, that's kind of what I mean. It's kind of getting to that true nature of being a Christian. What is it? And so, thankfully, Jesus has that answer for us. And the scriptures that the believer can read for us, that's the answer. That is, that is going to be the true nature of Christians. But you know what the world would say? The world would say Christians are hypocrites. Those who press rules on others, but do not do themselves. Haters of the LGBTQ plus community. The world thinks that we may be a little community with our little Bible and beating them on their heads with Bibles. And, and sometimes, I'd, I'd like to ask the honest question, is that who we are? Maybe sometimes. Maybe is it, is it this? I have a, a, hopefully a picture of a checklist. It's a little bur- blurry, but is this, is this who we are? Do you think that maybe once we've done this list for today, we've, cre- we've done Christianity for today? Don't have to do it anymore? Sit back, relax, watch the world pass by? I don't think so. And we're going to look at what Jesus says is, is the true nature of a Christian in Matthew 5, found in verses 1 through 12, and then verse 14 as well. But before we get into reading or diving into that passage, I just want to give a little bit of explanation of the book. It's found in Matthew 5, and Matthew is the author of the book, and he wrote the book to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one that was prophesied in the Old Testament. He, was, he, was, he wrote the whole book to show the Jewish nation that promise. And so, naturally, this book is going to be filled with Jesus' teachings. It's going to be filled with Jesus, and in this Matthew 5 section, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus' longest blocks of teaching in his sermon. And so we're going to be diving through that today. And we get to look at, that's actually the introduction of this sermon. He starts out right then and there, with there. And so these verses are called the Beatitudes. If you haven't, maybe you've heard that phrase before, even outside of church you've heard the Beatitudes, blessed are these people. But I want to dive into that. What what is blessed are the poor in spirit? What is, I mean, those who mourn, why are they blessed? Like, what does blessed mean even? And so let's dive into that today. And the first thing I want to dive into is the Greek word for blessed. What does it actually mean? Well, the Greek word is makarios, and it, it doesn't, mean, doesn't mean happy are the poor in spirit. It doesn't mean happy are the merciful. Happy are those who are meek. It, it, it doesn't mean that. It's actually a misrepresentation of the word in context. It's not a feeling that you get. Not a feeling that you get, but it's how God sees you when he is transforming you in your walk with the Lord. That is how God sees you, and he, he says that, Basically, you guys ought to be congratulated. These guys are the ones who get it. They are the true Christians. These guys are the ones who have the bingo. They are the blessed people of God. These guys get it. They are God's people. And so we look at the character traits of what it means to be a Christian and a person of God. 
So, we're going to go through the list today. The first character trait is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is not saying that, you know, being poor in a financial status is, you know, being children of God. But as you see on my PowerPoint, being poor means that you're dependent on someone else as opposed to being the benefactor. And just like Derek mentioned in the communion thought today, we're dependent on God. We are dependent. God is the one that provides for us. Jesus is the one that provides. We don't know all of everything, all knowledge and all spirituality, but Jesus does, and we are dependent on him. And what the world would say, like I have up here, is blessed are the self-dependent. Blessed are the self-dependents, the ones who, who do not need anything else, do not need anybody else to be able to sustain them. They're the ones who really matter in life. They're the only ones that really matter in life, and they can provide for themselves. But Jesus gives the different principle here. He says that Jesus is saying that the true nature of a Christian is being poor in spirit and recognizes that dependence that we have on God that dependence of a Christian, that we, need, that we need salvation from the beginning. And so the second character trait is, blessed are those who mourn. I want to point out some Old, Old Testament significance to this morning. Um, it, it's filled with stories about people in exile or people coming out of exile. And on your screen we see Isaiah and Psalms, and we see why they're mourning. They're, they're mourning because of the nation of Israel or even themselves. They're in exile, and they're in the place where they, they really ought not to be. They recognize that the world around them is evil. They recognize that sin and evil is in this world, and it shouldn't be. There's no way it shouldn't be, and we should be able to see that as Christians. And what the world would say to that is, blessed are those who have their lives all put together. Blessed are those who have their lives all put together. The ones who, who know that they, that they have it all put together don't need anybody else. They are the only ones that matter in life. But the Christian should recognize and be bothered by the evil in the world. And the world that, it's not the world that God intended it to be. Jesus says, those who mourn, those who mourn, those who recognize that this world should not be what it should be, they will be comforted. Jesus gives that promise to us. Those who mourn over the loss of a loved one, those who recognize that death should not be in this world. You will be comforted. It's such a, a great promise to, to recognize that, that death shouldn't be in this world and that God is our provider for that and he will comfort us. And so the third character trait is blessed are the meek. Now meek is going to mean you know, humble or lowly or the submissive ones. And we see also in the Old Testament, uh, we see an abundance of peace. We see that uh, the one being prophesied about in Zechariah, meaning Jesus, will come as a lowly king on a donkey. The one who will be meek. The king being meek. That's such a weird way to think about it, though. 
And we've seen this character trait so many times in the New Testament as well. Uh, We see that Jesus is teaching about humility and pride, and we see that um, humility actually will be exalted in God's kingdom, and pride will um, will be humbled in God's kingdom. And we see that here in the scripture that a Christian should be meek by trading his own influence for God's influence. What the world would say is they are blessed are the blessed are those who boldly take what they want. The bullies of the world, they get what they want because they can take it. They're strong enough to be able to take it and they can have it for themselves and truly indulge in the things that they love. But like I said, Jesus says something completely different. Jesus says, blessed are those who seek after his own influence to trade it for God's influence in the world. Jesus says that these people, these meek people are the ones who get it. They're they're blessed. These ones ought to be congratulated in God's eyes. Being meek is subversive strength focused for God's influence. And this is just one of the many character traits as a Christian. And so the next one is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This means that you have to have a desire for righteousness. That means there's a difference between living a Christian passively and living a Christian actively. It can be done both ways. Jesus says, those who have a desire and seek after Jesus and his righteousness will be in God's kingdom. Jesus is saying those who actively seek Jesus out. The world, the world might say something different. They say, blessed are those filled with life's pleasures. And, you know, life's pleasures might be great for a time here on earth. It might be, time, it might be great for this right now. But it's nothing It's nothing compared to the righteousness and the the true purity of God and his character that we seek after. It's nothing compared to that. A Christian desires the world to be the way that God intended it. Jesus also gives the Christian the promise that they will be, what? Satisfied. Not saying that there's not hard work for those who seek after this righteousness. Oh, there is hard work for sure. But they will be satisfied when they seek after his righteousness. The fifth character trait is blessed are the merciful. This will not be the only time that Jesus teaches on being merciful. We see that in the New Testament as well, the parable of the unmerciful servant. And so, right, we've got this parable. I'll explain it here and I'll explain it right now. Jesus is giving this parable and he says that there was a master who told who had a servant his servant owed a huge insane amount of debt to this master insane could never be paid off in a lifetime and so he went to his master that servant went to his master and said please forgive me i'll i will i will repay this i'll repay it when i can lord and that master he forgave him all of his debt gone a money that a lifetime couldn't pay, just gone. That's an amazing story. And so that, that servant said, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you. And he went, that servant had another servant. And that servant went to his servant and said, 
who owed him just a little bit amount of money, just a little bit, and he said to his servant, you, you terrible servant, you're not paying me that debt that you owe me. And so what he did, he threw him in jail. That servant that got forgiven, that was shown mercy through that other servant in prison. And so this original master, he saw that, or he heard about it. And he went to that wicked, terrible servant, and he said, you terrible, wicked servant, and I have forgiven you. Why haven't you forgiven others? And so he threw him in prison. And so what we get to see in this parable is that we get to see what mercy looks like and what being merciful looks like and what being unmerciful looks like. And so we learn from the world that those who, take what it ta- who do what it takes to get ahead in the world, to get ahead, are the ones who are blessed. It doesn't matter how many people you trample over, but those who take what it gets to, head, to get ahead are those who are blessed. And we're starting to see kind of a theme here of selfishness. Those who are really selfish, those in the world who are really selfish, they really are the good ones in the world. But the character trait that Christians should have, the character trait that Jesus says, are the ones who are gracious and merciful, even to the unprivileged. The sixth character trait is blessed are the pure in heart. We see this in the Old Testament as well in Psalm 24, 3 through 4. It says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. The ones who will be in God's kingdom, these people, the pure in heart, are the ones who are the blessed ones. Those who have a good conscience on their heart, the ones not living a duplicitous life, those not living a life that may be good out here, but then living an immoral life right here. They are the ones that are not blessed in God's eyes. And the world might say, blessed are those who look good to those around them. Blessed are the ones that put up a front and see, put up a, a, a stage to set. But... Jesus says those who are honest, those who are pure, those who have a good conscience, those, that type of people are blessed. The one thing I like about this, it says pure in heart and not perfect in heart. So Jesus is not asking for perfection. He's just asking for you to be honest with him. So when you have a sin in your life and you, you don't, just don't know what to do with it, you can be honest with God and, and say, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this. Please take it. I don't know what to do. I'm having a terrible time with this. That's the type of person that Jesus is asking for. Not the perfect, not living your life perfect, but to be honest. Those who are pure in heart with him and with others. The pure in heart is who we'll, we will see and be with God and his holiness. We get that promise in here. The seventh character trait of a Christian is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In the Old Testament, that, that sons of God phrase, it, it's not speaking of a very literal biological sense, but it's speaking of a character sense. We see this phrase in the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And so these people who have the character of God are the ones who are blessed. Now, in the, Old Test- in the New Testament, we see these people called the zealots. The zealots are people who, uh, remember, the Jewish nation was under the Roman Empire, or, or served the Roman Empire at the time. And so these people in the zealots in the Jewish nation, they tried to rebel against the Roman Empire by using violence. Jesus gives the opposite principle here. He's calling out those people into, in that time period. He says, uh, he says, Jesus is giving the contrary principle. He says, peacemakers are the ones who possess God's character, not those who seek after violence. The world might say, blessed are the winners. Now, I'm not saying if you win a board game once or win the midnight sun run once that you are not children of God. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is those who do whatever it takes to get ahead in arguments and fights, those who have to be the winner, those who just have to be the ones on top, Jesus is saying the complete opposite of that. Those who seek after being a peacemaker, those who reconcile broken relationships together, those who seek after, even when you're in a fight with someone else, those who seek after reconciling together, those are the true children of God. And the last, the last one, the last two I'm actually going to lump together are blessed are the persecuted, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake or who receive false accusations on Jesus' account. There are several other places in the book of Matthew that describes you know, the particular suffering. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. We see that in Matthew. Those who have left their family and their comfortable life at home for Jesus' sake will receive a much greater reward. But we also see that those, those people will be hated by other nations and maybe even put to death. And it's crazy to think about it, but those people, those people are the ones that are blessed. Those are the ones who, who are after the righteousness. Now, this doesn't mean you wrap, you, you, you get your friends together who are not Christian and you have them start insulting you right at that moment. That's actually a, a false righteousness that you're seeking after. But those those who seek after righteousness and stick with God and Jesus and his righteousness, even after this real type of persecution that you might be facing, those who persecute you, those who stick out the Christian walk, those are the blessed ones. Jesus is saying that those Christians who stick out the walk are the ones who are blessed. And the world might say, blessed are the comfortable. And it seems like a blessing to be comfortable at some times, to have a comfortable life. But Jesus is calling us something very greater than that. A Christian continues in righteousness even in the toughest of times. So those are the character traits in the true nature of a Christian. The Christian believes that, you know, Jesus has died for our sins and he saved us and raised, uh, he has risen three days later and that we can accept salvation through him. But that's not all that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that a Christian 
those who believe in Jesus, are to be poor in spirit, are to be mournful, are to be meek and desire for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who suffer for Jesus' name. This is the true nature of a Christian. Back to my question from the beginning. What does it mean to be a true Christian? This is it. This is the answer. This is what it looks like. And this is such a weird way to describe what it means to be a Christian. I like how Tim Mackey, the co-founder of the Bible Project, I like how he says it. This is such an upside-down kingdom. That's what he says. And this way of acting in the, that's described in this passage is so upside down to us and even to the world. But Jesus calls us to live that Christian way. And these people are the ones that are truly blessed. And so I'm going to make my first point, which is this, a light is blessed. And you'll see a little bit why on, a little bit later on why Christians are a light, but we'll get to that later. We'll just know that a light is blessed. That's kind of what my first point really means. But Jesus also, he doesn't stop there. Which brings me to my second point really quick. A light is put in view. A light is put in view. And I'm going to read verses 13 through 16 again. I know that the Weaver kids already read verse 14, but I'm going to, I'm going to make a very important point here. Verses, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, and a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." Jesus says that these people are to be set in view so that they can be a light of the world. Remember, the, the Christians that we, that we saw the character traits, these people, blessed are these people, these people are the ones to be set out as a light in the world. They, they need to be shining in their context and they cannot be hidden. Think of, think of the first time that a light was hidden in, in humanity, that this light was hidden. We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where they, they sinned and they were light in the world. They were supposed to be fruitful and multiply, but they sinned and then they went and hid themselves and they covered themselves up and they hid from God, or at least they tried to, at least. And so it has been from the beginning of humanity that we're, we're not supposed to be hidden. We're supposed to stand out and be the lights in the world. And Jesus is reminding that these people should not be hidden, and, and a light does not serve its purpose when it's hidden, actually. It means that we Christians should not hide ourselves. We should not hide our characteristics, the, the char- specifically the characteristics in, listed in Matthew 5, the ones that we went over. And we shouldn't be afraid, maybe sometimes we're afraid, but we shouldn't be to share those characteristics in the world. And the Christian 
should not be shy on those things and on being these character traits that Jesus has listed. I like what Diedrich Bonhoeffer says in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. It says this, A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. And so we, when we really stop being a light in the world, we really stop following Jesus. When we stop being this type of person, the, the, the mournful, the poor in spirit, the meek, this type of person in the world, we seek to follow him. And so a light cannot be hidden. That's what Jesus says. So that means it has to be visibly set. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Did you know that Actually, Jerusalem was set on a hill. It was built on a hill, and Jerusalem was a city set on a hill. So Jesus is using this as an example to say the Jewish nation, the Christians, those true people of God are the ones who should be a light in the world and, and set on a hill. And so that means that, that the world has to know that Christians exist, and we, they have to know that we exist with them. And so Christians are supposed to go and make disciples and make disciples not sitting on the couch watching TV all day. This world is supposed to know that the light, that light that we have is meant to shine. This means that passive Christianity, like I said before, passive Christianity cannot exist. Cannot exist in the Christian walk with the Lord. Those first few verses, the 12 verses, we should be sharing that in the world. I cannot stress this enough, sharing those characteristics in the world. And so, so we know what the true nature of a Christian looks like. We know what the, what, where the light should be. But what is the light's purpose? What is the Christian's purpose? And so this is my third point. A light shows the path. The purpose of the Christian is not about ourselves. It's, it's to point to Jesus, the, the pathway for salvation, the only path that leads for eternal life. We're supposed to point towards that path. And so I'll tell a little story here. I was in the sanctuary here when all the lights were turned off. And so I actually needed to turn them on in, when I was in here. And so I went to the sound booth to turn, turn those lights on but it was completely dark and I was tripping up the stairs and knocking over the chairs that were right there. And so the next time I had to do that, I had to pull out my flashlight and to be able to look and see, okay, I'm not going to trip and hit my face on something either. And so just like in that story, we are supposed to be the flashlight for believers and non-believers. We're supposed to show that path. And so this, this means that there are two implications from that statement that we're not going to like. We are not the point, but Jesus is. I'm going to say it again. We are not the point, but Jesus is. I'm sorry to burst your bubble to, in that story, but even your, your life your career choices, those who are in the military, being a surgeon, a police officer, a blue-collar worker, that's not your point in life. You are supposed to be shining the lights for unbelievers to show that path to Jesus. Our identity, our wealth, our rights, our, even our injustices are not the point in life. 
We are not the point, but Jesus is. And so a Christian must contain those character traits listed in Matthew 12. Just a little bit of review, and we we know that we're a light meant to shine, and it must be put in view and not hidden. And we know what the, the purpose of a Christian is, to show that path to Jesus. And so my big idea is this. Light the world. Light the world. And so how do we know how do we light the world? How do we do that? Well, first off, read Matthew five verses one through sixteen, it'll help you. And we know we're supposed to be we know who we're supposed to be pointing towards, right? It's Jesus. We're supposed to do that, but how do we practically do it in twenty twenty two? What's something I can do today? And so we're not supposed to indulge in the world's practices as we're in the world. We're not supposed to be, we're supposed to be lights of the world, not be the world. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And so don't get me wrong here, there's a clear difference in being a Christian in the world and, and living a life that they have to offer. Remember all those selfish characteristics that, we, that I listed? We're not supposed to be that type of person but we are supposed to minister and be a light in that world. So how do we do that? How do we do that in America of 2022? That means you get to know the unbelievers in your world. You get to know the atheists around you. You get to know the Buddhists, the Hindu, the the Mormons around you. Yes, that even means get to know the LGBTQ plus community around you. And that even means... If you're a pro-life person, you get to know the pro-choice people and, and vice versa as well. Be their friends. Exist with them. Be their friends. Don't, don't be them, but be their friends. And so how am I supposed to do this in that, that sort of context? Easy answer that Jesus gives us. Be merciful with them. Be pure in heart with them. Be a peacemaker with them. If this is where I was going to get in trouble, this is where it is. It means you have to not be in a Facebook argument with the other side. You have to be merciful and loving towards them. That, that kind of stuff, I mean, you can do that, but it's meaningless compared to your purpose in life. And so the nature of a Christian listed in Matthew 12 or Matthew 5 does not stop when you are surrounded by your so-called enemies. That even means on social media and the internet. And so evangelizing is also a good way to be a light in the world. And so I like to put it this way. It's called, it's called the trust bridge. You can, you can be able to walk right up to a person and start talking to them about Jesus. They can accept salvation to that. There's, there's people who have. But in, in America 2022, I would, I would emphasize building a trust bridge with those people that you've met and be, are their friends. Build that trust bridge with them on both sides. Be their friends. Don't be them, but be their friends and love them. And you begin to build this trust And then you can send truth over that bridge. You can send the gospel over that bridge, and they're more likely to receive it. When you have built that trust with them, that friendship with them, they're more likely to receive it. This person cares about me. They care about 
who I am, who I want to be, and then you're able to send the truth over that bridge. And so what happens when you're a light in the world, in that unbelieving community, it's like this, and I've asked the, the soundboard to dim the lights a little bit, and so here's what it means to be a Christian in the light of the world. See how, how much light this brings into even this room. You can see it very well. And it, and it lights, it, I can read scripture from here. This is how we're supposed to be in the world. So you go ahead and turn the sound or the lights back on. And so when we look at this passage of scripture and it, it outlined the Beatitudes for us, who we're supposed to be as Christians and where we're supposed to be, not hidden, but visibly set. And we're supposed to be pointing towards that path for Jesus. So Jesus said, this is my closing statement, Jesus says it in here. Jesus says in Matthew 5, and now I remind you again, light the world.